Welcome to the Coaching for Leaders podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host Dave Shep. Today we're going to be covering a range of topics on leadership, life purpose, goals, and what you're doing in your life to be happy. I'm a business coach, life coach, and I got a bit of woo-woo in me. I've been creating leaders for over 25 years, and I hope that this show inspires you to bring out your hidden potential and empowers you to live your passion. Let's go ahead and start today's show. Hi everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, I'm really excited today because we have a great guest author. Um, her book is really incredible. Um, her book is called The Authentic Marketer. Book one is Live. It's Real Girl's Guide to Know Your Worth, Get More Clients, and Grow a Business that Generally Fits Your Lifestyle. I'd like to welcome Linda Basso. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Great to be here. That's good. Your, your book, holy moly, it's a... Uh, it was crazy because it was uh, literally like you were just speaking, you know, to me because it's like um, the universe has a funny way lately of just saying, hey, Dave, you need this. And then I'll pick up something and I start reading it. And it's like, oh, wow, this is stuff that I've been working on. And you literally just filled in a whole bunch of holes for me. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much it meant meant to me that uh, to hear your words about being authentic, not only in life, but in your marketing and in your business. Uh, what uh, what what brought this about? What was the what was the reason that you wanted to write this this type of book? Um, let's see. Well, it wasn't really my choice. I feel like in some ways, <laughs> <laughs> I've been um, there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I just started. Get, you know, I mean, I was an entrepreneur myself, right? A solopreneur, running my own business, struggling also with marketing. Even though my background was in marketing, so my background's in brand marketing for big companies. Um, and I'd been a graphic designer for years. And so I, I was really what I thought was well enmeshed in, in the world of marketing until I, you know, and I had always owned my own business, but I was a freelancer working for these big companies or I had a little studio, right? So when I went into coaching, I suddenly was confronted with that marketing is so very different when you're a solopreneur, especially if you're a solopreneur in what I'm calling like a transformational art, right? So coaching, uh, you know, health and wellness, uh, something where you're asking your clients to make some sort of profound change. Um, and often that work that is very personal to us, right? It's, it's either an experience that we've had that we're sharing with our clients because we figured out something. Um, or it's a message that's very meaningful to us, right? It, it's sort of maybe we, we, we've gotten that message out of the school of hard knocks. And, you know, we want to take this learning that we have and we want to share it with the world. So it becomes very personal. And suddenly all the marketing stuff that I knew didn't apply anymore. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, trying to figure out my own thing. And I just started hearing, you know, kind of these ideas. And I was, I had always wanted to write a book. So I was willing to sit down and start writing those <laughs> those words had no idea where it was going to go didn't you know didn't didn't know what the outcome would be but um i said okay i'm, I'm willing to at least hear these words and, and it was about twenty thousand words worth of ideas that i then massaged over the, the coming couple of years to make the book wow that, that, that's awesome i think one thing that you you touch on that a lot of people don't really talk about is what it means to be a purpose-driven entrepreneur mm -hmm. Because for, for me, that there's a lot of there's a lot of entrepreneurs that I've worked with over the years. I, you know, the times that I've been doing coke, where they know what they want to do, they know what their life's mission is, they know exactly what they want it to be, but they don't know how to communicate that, that out to the world so that everybody else understands. You know, and, and they and they keep everything kind of kind of kind of tight, and their marketing message does not represent who they are. And you you cover that in your book, and you have exercises um, and reflections and meditations in your book that are that are so good um, and, and just to be able to see things 
I, I think one thing that the, the predominant message is just listen. Just listen to who you are. And then once you, you hear who you are and you identify who you are, then say who you are. And, and, and that seems to be um, a, an, an overall theme that, that I just, I loved. One thing that hit me the hardest, I think, was when you talk about family, where you get either uh, direct support, uh, indirect support, or joking support. <laughs> you know, and, and I know for me personally, I get a lot of the indirect support where they just let me do my own thing uh, and they don't say anything. Or I'll get the joking support, like, oh, you're such a con man. You know, all you do is take people's money and, and tell them, well, there's woo-woo stuff. And, and you know, and, 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 and I sit there and I, I just listen to it. I, I don't, you know, it hasn't happened for a while, but, but it was like Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners were fun when extended family comes. And they're like, hey, Dave, why don't you go get your tarot cards and let me know how the turkey's going to taste today? And, you, you know, just, just right. stupid shit like that. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But then uh, I'll be with a client and it'll be so transformational and they'll be like, you helped me so much. Mm -hmm. So I always pull my fuel from that. Mm -hmm. But in a way, your family, your support system, everybody around you has a way of impacting you as, a, as an entrepreneur. What, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs or, or business people today who are having to deal with that, who want to do something, but they don't have that support from their family? Well, there are two levels of family. So there's the current day support, right? Whatever you've been able to craft for yourself as an adult. And then there's the sort of the experiences that you're bringing with you. So I like to say, you know, you have these, this old set of bags, right? And you have these nasty, old, worn out pieces of luggage, crammed full of stuff, you do not need. Trying to go to this shiny, bigger, better place, right? You know, and they're like, no, no, you cannot bring those bags here, right? Like that's, <laughs> you're going here. You want to be here, and they're like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to, yeah, not drop those old carpet bags. Those, those are not coming with you." So there is a fair amount of unpacking that I find someone has to do. So if if someone can't hear, you know, like they can't get their message out in the way that you were saying, or they feel like they're not getting, you know, that they don't have the support to move forward for some reason, uh, looking back and unpacking what messages they might have received as a young person, um, you know, what, what limiting beliefs they picked up from their folks and their parents. You often see this around money work as well, right? Money coaching will kind of go into this. Like, you know, if you grew up saying you've got to work hard, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, things like that, you're, you're bringing a set of assumptions. Well, similarly, we bring a set of assumptions with us about visibility, right? How safe was it for you to be big and visible as a child? Right. Mostly we were told to be quiet, sit down, stop <laughs> interrupting the proceedings. You know, anytime we tried to shine too brightly, we were often given a message that that was not OK for some reason. And then some folks, of course, especially in the transformational arts, I find we, we picked families of origin that we wanted to learn some big lessons with. So we actually had maybe unsafe environments as children, right, that not only was it not safe to be your big bright self, it was actually not that safe to be visible at all. You were trying to duck and cover or like maintain a very low profile so that nobody, you know, that you weren't the one that got singled out if stuff went awry, right? From the irate parent or the overworked parent or the, you know, I'm not blaming the family of origin because we came here to learn those lessons. But it, when you're learning the lesson to not be visible, you, and then you're an adult and you're trying to be visible, you're, you're literally battling your inner survival instincts. So you have to be willing to do that work, right? Yeah, that's, and, and I think that's the hardest part because, you know, you're realizing that uh, a lot of times it's easy just to duck and cover. You know, I, I know I, I graduated high school and then the day after I, I graduated, I went into the military. And I remember 
it's nothing like on TV when you go into basic training. <laughs> um, it, it, it was so crazy. On, on TV, it's like one drill sergeant for an entire platoon and they're standing there yelling at the group. When I went in, there was like six of us in the cattle car and opened up for 15 drill sergeants. And, and I remember my mouth just going completely dry uh, and I was terrified. And um, I learned to be invisible. I, I learned to just duck under the radar. I learned not to shine too brightly because I didn't want the attention whether good or bad, because it was just like, they scared, they scared me for that. Uh, and I took that into my life, into my twenties, um, because it was just like, don't, don't shine too brightly because then people will see you, you know? And then when I grew up as a teenager, I was gay. So all of the stuff of growing up, uh, growing up that way, going all the stuff of going to the military. And then when I became an entrepreneur, that stayed with me. All that heavy, nasty baggage was like, okay, so I don't want to be too visible. So I think for years, my business was referral based, which is so sad, but it, it's what I needed. It was the only way I could adapt. Luckily, I was good enough that I could make a business out of it because I got a lot of referrals, but I never did any marketing. I never, I was just afraid. I didn't know my message. I wasn't sure of who I was. So then when I figured all that crap out, I unpacked those nasty bags and I became into my own, I became more authentic. It's like, whoa, look how things change now. Mm -hmm. and, and now it's like, I don't compartmentalize compartmentalize life anymore mm -hmm. i don't compartmentalize my friends mm -hmm. all of my friends know each other all of my friends know me they know the real me and then that translates into my business and my marketing yeah you, well you're so congruent at that point and people love congruency right so yeah. for good or bad i mean you can see why some leaders sometimes you think well how did that person get into power they're very congruent with how they feel yeah. <laughs> for better or worse we're very attracted to that when we see someone totally incongruence we're, we're like wow I, I want some of that right I want to be around that because that's the natural state of things right that sort of sense of freedom and alignment everything's sort of flowing that's that's what you know that's the sort of like the the, 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 the good stuff of life so we, when we see someone in that place we we want more of that we want to be near them so that's a that's you know the perfect example of what you experience yeah, you talk in your book about uh, know your design and you use the, the car analogy. Could you explain that to our listeners today? Because I, I thought that was wonderful. Thanks. Um, so knowing who you are, right? That's the basis for authenticity. So you, we all came here designed in a certain way and you can, you can be very pragmatic and just say, yeah, I can see that everyone's different, you know, and they all have different like quirks, we might call them. Or you can go kind of woo and say, no, literally we were designed, whether, you know, that's from a religious point of view, designed by the creator or from a more universal source perspective that, you know, I, I work in a system called human design. Um, or you can look to astrology or the Enneagram or, you know, there's so many typing systems and there's typing systems for a reason, right? Because like you and I, where people, you know, we, we hear words about certain concepts, other people heard words about systems of ways of humans getting to know themselves, right? So whether you want to be pragmatic about it or you want to be sort of woo about it, the point is to really, really understand who did you come here to be, right? And you can look at your life and you can usually see some through lines, certain situations that keep coming up or certain, you know, like your sexual orientation or your gender orientation or your, you know, we, we came here and we have a specific design, right? A specific set of characteristics and preferences that, that are uniquely ours. And if you know that about yourself and, and you know, it's know it, not like it, right? <laughs> there are lots of things about me that I am not fond of. 
right? <laughs> but I know them and I know them to be true. I know that I am that way, even though I wish I wasn't, you know, vain or selfish or uh, cruel, like me, cruel. You know, I mean, I have a set of characteristics that make me me. I'm very outspoken. I'm quick to be irritated. You know, I'm also loyal, uh, you know, big hearted, um, you know, I, I, I attune to other people beautifully. So knowing who you really are and loving all of that, or at least accepting it, or at least being willing to act from that place, you know, like I'm, I'm an introvert. So there are a lot of things that I don't really do that I'm like you, you said, you're sort, sort of supposed to do. Well, I'm not going to go do those things, right? It's not how I'm designed. It comes at a big cost to me if I do them. I've learned that I take it on. I wish I was an extrovert. I want to be an extrovert. <laughs> my husband's an extrovert. My daughter's an extrovert, you know, but, but I'm not. So, um, so I have to act as if I am designed the way I am. And that means making decisions from that place, holding boundaries from that place, um, doing my marketing from that place. Like you were saying earlier, you don't want to do funnels. You don't want to do all of that stuff in marketing. Well, you know what? I can tell you, there are some other ways, right? There are mm -hmm. some other ways to do your marketing that don't include all of that. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing. Uh, prior to starting the recording, we were just talking a little bit about marketing. And, and I keep coming up with some marketing material and people that I'm showing it to are like, no, Dave, you know, you're, you're, you're talking too much about about you know what you do and who you are. Instead, let's just let's just go with the funnel. Let's develop a whole bunch of programs. Let's sell them for nine dollars, twenty-seven dollars, forty-nine dollars, ninety-nine dollars. Let's throw them out there and let's build this thing where people just have to clickbait. And for me, it drives me crazy. And I see how it works because I be I have bought some clickbait. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. Oh, I'll take that too. And but for me to do that for some reason, I, it just leaves such a dirty taste in my mouth um, because it's not who I am. Uh, and, and I, I don't know, I just, I do want to be more authentic in my marketing. So when you, when you say that there are other things that, that puts hope at the end of the tunnel for me. And I, and I hope if you're listening today, you know, uh, I think in, don't just follow society's rules or society's standards for how you think you should run your business or, or live your life. Um, you know, she talked about how, or, or just, you know, know your design, but one other thing that Linda talks about in her books that I loved was, you know, what are your limiting, limiting beliefs? What is your lack of inner permission? And what are your old dysfunctions that you're bringing in into your business and your life currently? And the, I mean, the way that she structured her book is, is like you're learning about yourself and you're learning about your business and there are stories and there are things that you can do to improve with, with the reflections. I mean, it is such an incredible book that I highly, highly recommend it. So, so you, it's just one of those things that I think that is a life-changing thing if you are an entrepreneur or if you're a leader of any kind and you want to start a side hustle or if you just want to apply this to the, the current corporation that you're working for, you, you can help them to become more authentic in their words as well. You know, and, and that's one of the most amazing things. What was one of the, um, um, the reasons that you thought authenticity was important? Like, like presented in your book, like, could you just tell our listeners like, why do you think authenticity in marketing is important? Well, it's partially what we were describing before that congruence, right? So when you are that congruent, it's much easier to sort of um, have clients coming to you rather than you putting so much out there trying to convince people. So it's it's partially that, um, but it's, you know, the I wrote this book twice. So the first time I wrote it, I called it The Reluctant Marketer. 
And it was very much about this, like what you're describing, sort of more spiritual type of folks who are taking the, you know, incoming messages around marketing and not feeling good about them. And I really thought that the message was, you know, get more spiritual in your business, right? Like, like find your high, highest self and come from that place. So I was talking about in the book, you know, be your whole self, be your whole self. And for me, that meant t- tuned into that bigger source and, you know, sort of these spiritual ideas. <clears throat> well, I went to a conference with that as my published book and I was a speaker there. And I was at this conference of, you know, whatever it was, a few thousand women entrepreneurs. And I realized during that time that my message, that this sort of reluctance was really hitting a very, like 10% of that, those women. And then I was at the big keynote speaker and Joanna Gaines um, was popular with this crowd. And she was, she was a lovely speaker and she has, you know, children and a really dialed in family life. And she has a wonderful business that she created in Texas and her values are all around, you know, uh, authenticity. And she spoke that at that conference. She said, you know, all of you fashionistas out there, because it happened to be a, a conference of bloggers that are evolved in the design world. So I, I was definitely out of my element. I was not there as the trendy, whatever. <laughs> That's not my thing. <laughs> well, I was already feeling like, whoa, these, these ladies are, you know, hip and I'm not. <laughs> and Joanna said um, something about, you know, if you're in this audience and you're wearing the latest jumpsuit and you're wearing that, you know, and you're doing all the things that you're basically, you know, hearing are in, then stop that, right? You're you're not gonna get there by not being yourself. Like you've got to, and just it washed over me in such a beautiful way. And I was like, that's it. You know, it's really still when I say be your whole self, that's what I mean actually is be your authentic self. And so I had to go and rewrite the book. I, you know, I had to spend the next year and a half rewriting the book because I had been selling it as reluctance when what my message was, be your whole self, which was authenticity. So, you know, authenticity comes in layers, right? So for you, you get the layers as you can. And my learning went from, you know, oh, not everyone's authenticity is going to be to take a spiritual journey. Like that's my authenticity, but everyone has the possibility of being on the authenticity journey. So that's for a, a greater number of humans, right? To, to step into their wholeness is authenticity. I love that. When you say that authenticity is a state and not a trait, what, what is it that you mean? I love that. This is my new, <laughs> this is my new through line, right? Like this is my new gem that I'm really playing with. Is, um, so it's easy in some way to see like, oh, she's so authentic or, oh, he's so himself, right? And, and like we see a person who's very themselves and kind of owning their own quirks and, and, you know, maybe they're even a celebrity and they get to be quirky and unique in that way. And so we kind of think it's like something that someone has or they don't have, right? And so that would be a trait, right? Like you're a friendly person or you're not friendly or like you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. Those are, those are traits for the most part. Like you, you don't get to choose if you're an introvert, right? That's a, it's a, it's a biological thing. So um, authenticity is not, right? Authenticity is a state of being. So similar to being happy, to being content, to being dissatisfied. Those are all states of being that come from behaviors and choices and mindsets. Wow. Uh, it, I, I guess I've never thought of it that way because uh, uh, again, like like using the introvert analogy, I've always thought, you know, I'm, I'm either authentic or I'm not, I'm either introvert or I'm not, those type of things. So for you to say that really makes sense because I, I think 2020 has been a big year for me because, uh, with authenticity because when I um, 
you know, when February, when COVID hit back in February, I was face to face with everything. Like my, my life coach was face to face. My uh, I'm a Reiki healer, so I was doing all my Reiki healing sessions face to face. And all of a sudden, like my business just like went away overnight, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> And I could have just uh, let that go and just, you know, got the job or done something or, or tried something different. But I was like, okay, so no, so let's figure out how I can do this. So I had to learn a whole bunch of new new things that, you know, I'd heard of a Zoom, but I never used Zoom prior to that. Now I, I can buzz through Zoom like crazy. I do a lot of stuff over Zoom now. Um, I do a lot of classes virtually and uh, all these different things. But I had to really figure out who I was before I could even do that stuff. So my offensive journey this year ha has been, um, been, been incredible. Uh, the, what does authenticity give you in your business? Are, are there like three or four things that you could tell us that you think are crucial that authenticity gives us? Well, authenticity definitely, um, you know, can bring about the sense of confidence, right? That, that your, when you are true to yourself and who you are, then it makes a, 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 you know, you feel, well, sometimes you don't feel good about that, actually. We can go into what authenticity is not in the moment. But um, so you can, you end up, I think, feeling a sense of, of uh, you know, uh, I, guess, I don't have the words for it, really, but you're, you're the container, right? Like this is, these are the edges of you. And then you can very clearly see where, where you're not, right? So you don't, you don't try to be all things to all people, for example. And that's a big problem in your messaging and marketing, right? You just, if I serve everyone, well, no one's hearing your message. But if you're being authentic in your in your business and being genuine, right? Like you've, you've gone through and you figured out really, no, this is where I am. These are my edges. You can see that it's not hard to have boundaries. It's not hard to know what to say yes and no to. It's not hard to say, oh, no, that, that if we're talking about my messaging or something, I don't do that. That's, that's beyond the scope of me, right? So... Um, it lets you know where you are so that it's easier to make decisions. It's easier to hold boundaries and, and you have a sense of confidence or at least acceptance. I want to say, like, like, like I said, maybe you don't love all the pieces, but you have at least acceptance about this is who I, you know, who I am, what I stand for. And then these are things that fit or they don't fit. So it's much easier to make your, make your choices. That's awesome. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, what, what authenticity is not, what does that mean? <laughs> so we have some misconceptions about authenticity and it actually makes it hard, right? Like it's a, it's a state of being, so you're trying to cultivate it. But if you have some myths, you know, some shoulds in there about, well, it should be like this and that, and they're not true, it's really hard to, to, to actually get to that state. So um, often I say it's not three things. Um, it is not comfortable. Okay? So a lot of people feel like, well, once I'm myself, don't I feel really comfortable? <laughs> No, actually, like I said, there's some part of myself you're like, oh, I'm not really fond of that. <laughs> Making me feel really sad that I'm like that. <laughs> you know, so it's not comfortable sometimes knowing those things about yourself. Also, when you're being genuine and you know authentic, you're probably going to have to have some tough conversations, right? That's going to be part of being an authentic person. That is not comfortable either. When you realize that, no, here I am, and you just you know transgress that boundary or or your making fun of me in a way that's uncomfortable or, you know, and I don't, my genuine self would stand up for that, even though I've got to have this uncomfortable conversation. So it's not always comfortable. Um, it's not always spontaneous. Right? That's the other thing, like, oh, if I was authentic, I would be so spur of the moment, like I would just react to everything in the moment because I'm authentic. Like, no, actually, authenticity, 
like you're saying, you actually have to study it. You have to do exercises. You have to <laughs> unpack baggage, right? It's not a spontaneous thing. It's a considered thing. It's a considered thing over sometimes great lengths of time. And it's why you will sometimes find that older people, you know, you say, wow, you know, have you ever seen that older woman? She's spicy and she's, you know, so herself. And you're like, wow, well, that's a part one on her part, right? Yeah. She's finally there because that because of so many repeated scenarios, she finally like, you know what? I'm actually like this, and I'm just gonna stop pretending that I'm not, right? So so it sometimes it comes over a long period of time. Um and so it's not comfortable, it's not spontaneous, and it's not unfortunately about letting it all hang out. Okay, so that's that was a big misconception in I don't know, 70s, 80s, something kind of this um, this what was it called? Um not brutal honesty, but there was like a movement about like, I'll just be, I'm going to say exactly what's on my mind. And it's like, yeah. that's not actually authenticity either. No, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, communication, everything that flits through your head is not authentic, right? Like we were talking about yeah. old ideas, misconceptions, you're human. So you're going to be triggered. You're going to have reactions. You're going to be reactive, not responsive, right? Like those are not authentical you, right? hurting another person, um, belittling another person. Uh, an authentic stance would be, oh, I don't feel that way. Let me try to understand why you do and make a decision for myself if we can intersect or we can't. But there, it wouldn't, even if it had a lot of feeling, it wouldn't belittle the person. It would just say, wow, okay, yeah, no, we see things in a way that I can't in my good conscious, my authentic self, I can't interact with you or be with you but I wish you, you know, I wish you growth and happiness and whatever, right? So, um, so it's it's not always just saying everything on your on your mind either, and that's especially yeah. true for leaders, right? I, you brought the leadership conversation, and, and you know, marketing is really just visibility. So whether you're owning your own business or you're just a visible person as a leader, uh, you cannot afford to be, you know, thinking that authenticity is comfortable or that it's about staying everything in, in your mind or or that it's spontaneous, right? You as a leader actually need to spend that time in self-reflection, really understanding what something means to you or or doesn't, and, and staying in that responsive place, not that that reactive place. Yeah, there, I have a lot of family members and even some friends who are very unfiltered, like they have no filter. And they they think that that's being authentic. But there are some I wouldn't even go to a restaurant with because they're so rude to the, the server. And, it, and it's not like a one-time thing that, okay, one time. It's every time you go out with them, this filter of everything. And to the point where I leave some big tips sometimes. <laughs> so I stopped, I stopped going out with them because it's just like having no filter does not mean that you're authentic. Right. Um, you, you know, and, and I love that, that that's a message that you convey. One of the quotes in your book that I that I wrote down that I really liked was good marketing comes from who you are being, not what you are doing. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that is one of the one of the best ways to describe it. Um, and I just love that. What did, can you tell us about that or what your feelings were behind writing that? Yeah, um, often I see, you know, unfortunately, I have uh, entrepreneurs or small business owners coming to me and they are doing all the things. Right. So they are doing, you know, they have their website. They are maybe setting up some sort of um, free content for folks to consume. They are doing their podcast. They are, they're doing all the doings and it's not working. And it's because underneath that, they're carrying maybe some 
high fears about the visibility working or not working, uh, or they're not really in alignment with what they're doing. They think they should be in a certain kind of business. Um, I worked with a woman last year who she she thought literally when she got on the phone with her with her clients or her potential clients that she should talk in a certain way, right? Because she was like, well, I'm this kind of, I'm a, this level of a person and this is my job title. So I should talk like this. And so she was very, you know, dialed up and professional, and but that's not her. Like she's really like very charming and relaxed and kind of funny and, you know, a little, little on the edge of saying things that are irreverent, you know, and, and so <laughs> it wasn't her. And so that other people can feel it when you're not, you know, when you're not feeling comfortable or, or grounded in who you are. And they, they don't know what's wrong exactly, but they know something's wrong. And so you can't have a good sales conversation with somebody if you're pretty sure, you know, that this sales thing is terrible and I don't want to sell you. And, <laughs> and then, but will you, do you want to work with me? And, you know, if that's the underlying thing, that sales conversation is not going to go well. So it's really about who you are being, right? And that you're feeling really, uh, like you mentioned earlier, like in a high vibration, you're feeling really good in, in a high vibration and very settled in what you're doing. Even if you're a beginner, you can get business and get things going if who you're being is comfortable for you and you feel really, really grounded in that. I, I love that. And, and I think that's that's so hard uh, in, in so many ways because people just, just don't realize it. And I, I think one thing that they do is they care so much about what other people think. You know, and, and that's such a, a hard thing. And I know a lot of my coaching is, um, you know, it does, you know, we have to do stuff that where you don't worry about so much about what other people think. Let's do stuff that comes from your soul, comes from you. What is your message? I used to work with a, a uh, health and fitness uh, professional who would, not, would make a post on social media, but it would take him three hours mm. to make the post because he had to get the picture right. And so there was, you know, 25 pictures taken. Then it was like, then the words had to be right. Then he had to rewrite it and rewrite it. And by the time he got done, it was so filtered because he was worried about his entire audience. Yeah. You know, I need to make sure that nobody's going to talk bad about me or think that I look fat, you know, because of, you know, this or that. Um, and it wasn't just him. It was a lot of people in the health and fitness industry feel that way. Like, like they have this, this persona, yet behind all of that, they have all the drugs and the steroids and, and all the, mm. you know, lack of, of self-worth and all these things and when people say the health and fitness industry is for health and fitness they're so not real <laughs> you know because it's not because what they do is they, they really focus on a lot of, of ways to hurt people uh, and that's been my mission a lot is to try and bring that to light to try and help people realize that they're worthy no matter what their body type is mm -hmm. you know and, and and it's all of these different things so if someone is so worried about what other people think. Do you have any advice for them of, of how they can like some steps to overcome that? Well, sure. I mean, um, there's, you know, clearly there's some baggage there, right? So mm -hmm. that's one thing. You gotta unpack why you, you know, did you hook when you were small, you hooked your parents' opinion or the, you know, maybe your parents were overly concerned about what the neighbors thought, or you know, if you were a first child, I, I can attest to parents are a little bit more like, ah, oh, what's happening here? Be quiet, and you know, like they're just <laughs> so depending on your place in the family, you know, and even in a healthy family system, um, you you may have gotten some messages about, you know, 
well, that's not nice if we, if we don't do that. Or we should consider what grandma thinks or, you know, and maybe there was some dysfunctional personalities being tiptoed around in the family, or maybe they think it was like an illness or something, right? So we, we took in some messages that we had to really, it mattered, it really mattered what other people thought. Well, biologically, it did actually matter to us as children what other people thought. That's survival. So we have a survival mechanism that kicks in and it will, it's why children can be in abusive situations and still actually even in a court, you know, say, no, I love my father, mother, stepmother, whoever, right? Because biologically we will not survive if we are not in, in simpatico with our caregivers. So if our caregivers are off the chart, we will rationalize that in order to survive. Okay. So if, if caring about what other people thought was a big part of your early childhood, you are going to have to do the work to dismantle that. So that's, that's number one. But then number two is, is this idea that, you know, you don't want anyone to disagree with you. Well, if your message isn't alienating a bunch of people, it's not narrow enough. Think about that for a minute. If your message is not turning off, half of the people who come to your website aren't saying, no, she is not for me. Then your message is not narrow enough to get business, right? You aren't talking to everyone. That, that particular person who's writing the post, I would actually, from a marketing perspective, ask them to figure out who's the one, the one client that they are talking to and write that post for only that point. Because there, in truth, are hundreds of thousands of that one client, right? So a lot of times uh, entrepreneurs don't wanna narrow down their niche because they're afraid they won't have enough people. But in reality, you are uniquely designed to, to hit it off with one, one person who has one problem. And if you can fix that problem really, really well, there are thousands of ones that want yeah. that same problem fixed, right? And they need it from you, from your voice, from your point of view. So if you're willing to, to make the stake to talk to that one person and write that post for them to solve their problem, and everyone else, you know, sort of like let them go or don't worry because they have someone else that's meant to serve them. And if you can, if you can niche down in that way, then you'll start to serve one and then two and three and four and five, you know, all the thousands of the people that are, that meet that one criteria. And it's so much easier. Um, and then there's also, you know, we, we, we come with all kinds of stuff about they, that they, the vague they aren't going to approve. And again, that's usually back to family of origin stuff um, because, you know, if you got really clear, like who exactly are they? Most people can't name who are the people that are going to be mad. <laughs> or if they can, they're people that really shouldn't matter to your business, right? Like Aunt Sally and my best friend. And, you know, I have a chapter part in my book about that. That Are you asking the right people? <laughs> if, it's, if they don't fit the profile of your ideal client, don't ask them. I think that if, if you're struggling with, with what we just talked about, I want you to rewind this podcast for the last three minutes and listen to what she just said again, because what, what Linda just said was probably one of the most insightful things that I've heard in a long time. And it's so true and it's so real. Um, and, and this kind of thing is, is why I really enjoy doing this kind of podcast is so that you guys can hear this type of stuff because it, it's, it's insight like this from, people who have lived it, people who have learned it, people who have done it, you know, she, she spent years writing this book just so that her message could get out. And it is amazing. So I, I want to thank you for what you just said, because that was so insightful and so powerful. Uh, amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. One thing, uh, one other question I had was, 
I was with a friend the other day and we were talking and she says, well, why don't you write a strategic marketing plan for my business and I'll write one for yours and then let's kind of see how they go. And I was like, okay, let's, let's try that. I've never written a strategic marketing plan before. So I, I just Googled it. <laughs> what is a strategic marketing plan? First of all, the, the targeting system for ads has my Facebook and Instagram blowing up now with marketing plans, <laughs> which is kind of annoying. But, but, but there's so many... There's so many messages out there that are so different. Um, in your book, you talk about an authentic marketing plan with making the plan and have, you have to admit your financial goals and study the market and find your resources. You give information on what to do. What, um, what do you think for someone like me who, who doesn't, who is not real comfortable marketing uh, for myself, I'm really good with others. That's what I don't understand. I can help others market and their business and they have such huge success and, and like i'm sitting there and i'm watching them grow up and up and up in their life and and i'm kind of just staying flat with my referrals because i don't have it within myself so i have to unpack some of my own baggage i've done a really good job of that this year and, and i've changed a lot this year uh, because of that and i'm really proud of myself for the changes i am making but if someone is just starting out and they're they're having these issues what what are some basics that they could do just to get started for studying the market and trying to figure out, you know, how to find resources to help them that if they won't have a lot of money. Well, okay, so you asked a number of questions in that. I question. did. That, that was kind of, that's like a podcaster <laughs> no-no. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> just on the marketing plan, let me see, I'll try to, you know, do them one by one. Um, the marketing <laughs> plan just literally means to make, make some plans, just like you would for next weekend, right? Like I'm going to do this, this, and this, and, you know, I'm going to do it at this time with this person for this long, right? Like we make plans all the time. So try to demystify it and simplify it to that level, right? Um, and you really only can do, you know, I say between three and five, but I really think it's three tactics, marketing efforts at a time. So, you know, in your case, you've got a podcast, so that's one, right? And then, and you've got referrals. And so if, you, if you've never standardized or formalized your referral system, or you don't routinely reach out and actually ask for referrals, so that, that's something you can do to deepen your, you know, that effort that's already working for you. But that means you have two already. You have a podcast, you have a formal referral system, and then you're just looking for one more. And that's it. And that's all you're going to do for the next three to 12 months, right? Because all you have to think about then not is marketing you, which can be big and scary, but okay, I've got to get my podcast out there in a bigger way. I want to, she mentioned formalizing my referral system. Okay. So let me do some brainstorming on how I might do that. Like, oh, every quarter I'm going to, I'm going to send a you know, contact out to those people I've worked with and say, Hey, I appreciate your referrals, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you could just brainstorm some, some activity. Again, it doesn't, not rocket science. You don't, you don't need a big system for that. You don't need, you just need some, some actions that you repeat. Okay. So you've got, okay, I've got to get my podcast out there. Well, that's an easy thing to Google, you know, marketing your podcast. You're only then now looking for a resource around one effort. It's not marketing yourself, marketing your business, which is a wide chasm. It's okay. What are strategies and tactics other people have used to increase podcast views? Right now, that's much more digestible, right? I'm imagining you could look those things up, start brainstorming, sit down with your friend and brainstorm, hire a coach to, you know, help you flush that out a little bit, but it's very manageable, okay? So you've got your podcast, you've got your referral system, and then you're just picking one other effort if you need to, right? If you, and that's the other thing. 
you said, oh, I only have referrals. That's, you know, for me, I, I didn't, I don't do any marketing. If your business is bringing in enough dollars based on referrals, you've actually won the solopreneur marketing game. Okay. So all the time I get told that, and I just say, you know, ding, 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 you won. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you have enough business coming in for referrals, that's what everybody else is doing all these other things to get to. Right. Right. So if you're just getting referrals and you have enough business, you're good. Now, if you want to grow your business to the next level, yes, you're going to have to take on some marketing, right? Or if, if you're not making enough money, then like, you know, we'll have to look at, okay, unpacking those bags or what, you know, can you not let in enough support or is there something going on? But um, so back to the marketing plans, just making a set of plans. And it's, I really recommend only doing about three things until those are up and running and working. And then you can take a look at if you want to add in anything else. I love that. that, that that's a, a very clear, concise message. And, and I think that's what a lot of people do is they want to do 10 to 15 things at once. You, you know, they're sending out email, you know, they're building their email lists, they're, they're doing their Facebook ads, they're doing, they're doing their social media posting about all these different things that it, it creates so much chaos and drama that they can't enjoy the journey. And, and, and part of this entire thing that we should be doing is enjoying this process. You know, and, and I think that's a lot of people talked about 2020 and, and how rough and it was. And, and but there are times for me where I really enjoyed my process of learning and rediscovering and finding my authenticity throughout this year um, be, because of, of the changes in the world and all these different things. But it, it's been so enlightening and I've enjoyed that journey and I've, I've enjoyed the contradiction of being OK with who I am. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the hard part is. Um, when you grow up in a certain situation, like for me, I was gay. So I had to hide the fact that I was gay because back in the eighties, being gay was, was not good. <laughs> I got beat up a lot when I did come out, but even my family, like I knew how they felt about gay people and there was no way I was telling them. So I got to be a very good liar at a very early age about who I was. And I could fake and be the person, be the son, be the brother that I needed to be for them to love me. So that took years of unpacking and years of undoing to figure out who I really am. Uh, and luckily I've been with my husband now for 31 years. So we, we came through it together and, and it was an amazing thing. And now the, the authenticity of our life, of our family, of all the great successes that we both have had are, are amazing, but it all led to being authentic. And then when you realize that you're authentic in one area of your life, you're not necessarily authentic in other, other areas. Mm -hmm. Have you come across that with your clients where they're very authentic with this and with their business, but they're not authentic with their family? Has anything come out that you've noticed like that? Well, or, I would... or is it just, it's a flat thing that you, once they do it, they do it. No, it's not a flat thing. Like, because it's a state of being, Right. So, and like I was saying, it comes in waves, right? I wrote a certain book, then I had to rewrite the book. Then <laughs> to know ourselves over time. So, so you think, oh, I've got to go do this. And then you're doing it. And maybe it was just a lesson in that for you. Right. And then, you yeah. so it's an evolving thing. Um, I would say that there, you know, based on degrees of comfort, there are entrepreneurs that I see that are having a terrible time with their family and that's hard for them to manage. And so what, but their business is fine. That's because they're pouring all their love, attention, care, you know, in, in, in efforts into the business. But really when you start to, to dig in a little deeper, they're actually holding on to that, the business success a little too tightly, right? You know, they're, they're a little too rigid with it, a little too. 
So often what I'll see is like, let's say we start unpacking what's happening in the business because they can't get to that next level. So maybe they're thinking it's all on me. It's all on me. So they're under a tremendous amount of pressure. Well, we, it's not really all on you, right? We, we, there's nothing that we can do in the world that without interdependencies on other people and some sort of relationship with God, universe, source, outer circumstances, however you want to describe that. You're, it's not all on you. You're just one frail, small human, right? You don't, you don't have the power to make it all happen. So, you know, usually as we start to let go of those false ideas in our business, then we're going to start realizing, oh, you know what? I have that same rigidity in my family. Or, you know what? Actually, it's really uncomfortable for me to go home because I need to have some of those hard conversations and I don't really want to. So I've been hiding out here at work, right? So what I find is as you loosen the knot in one area, it generally will have implications in other areas. But I never find that someone's like, so authentic here, but they're not authentic in these other places. Like, you know, I bet if we dig a little under that, it's <laughs> they're not as lined up as we thought. <laughs> I, I'd love that. And, and that's a lot of what I'm finding too with, with, with certain things and, and being able to, um, you know, hold space for people too. Like when I'm talking to them, I'm like, okay, so I just want to kind of throw this out there. This is what I'm seeing. And we don't need to address it there. I just want to kind of think about it. Uh, and then like, we'll talk the following week or, or the following month. And, I feel like yeah, I've been thinking a lot about what you said, and, and it's true. I, I've been holding on to this, and once I let it go, it was weird because all of a sudden I've, I've been filled with all this hope because I I let this go, and uh, and I want to thank you for that, and and that's been a lot of my conversations in a lot of ways because it's not just I want to teach you how to make money, uh, I want to work with you and help you become the real you, the real the real you that you're meant to be, real you that just because society says it's not standard or normal or whatever be unique and you talk about being unique in your book and the, the way that you just describe it of, of how incredible we are because we're unique is just it, it, it literally your book is a book of hope in a lot of ways and and, and I, I again i just i highly recommend this book i, I i'm going to put links uh in the show notes of, of how you can get the book uh now this is book one so can you tell us about what you have on, on the future for book two and book three? Sure. So um, when I when I started working on information, it was coming in in kind of three parts, and I titled those "Live, Love, and Laugh." And um, then I got done writing, right, and I realized, oh, I actually wrote much too long of a book. <laughs> like a marketing book like this, and no one's going to want to pick up a marketing book that thick, right? You know. So. Uh, the then, breaks of uh, wrath for marketing. Yeah, with it anyway. They need something digestible. So, so I realized that I had been writing in these three sections: live, love, laugh. And um, so I broke it into three books. And you know, live is really this practical part about like living your marketing, living through these experiences, unpacking it, making a plan, right? So that's kind of the the live part. But the love part is the devotion part of our business, right? And it's what you're saying: loving the journey. Um, but it's also loving the business itself, right? Loving, and you know, you would never, let's say, you know, plant a small plant and then get down, grow, grow, why aren't you growing? <laughs> I give you everything, I give you fertilizer, and you're still not growing. You know, you would say like, oh, it's a little sprout. Look at how cute the little sprout is. And let's protect it from the elements. And then let's, oh, it's getting to be a bigger plant. Let's give it a little, you know, support trellis to, to grow on. And you would be nurturing this plant. And so often I see younger people in their business, they're in the beginning part of their business, and they are like yelling, grow, grow, I can't believe you. <laughs> I'm like, you're not there yet, you know? Go get a part-time job, go get money from something else and stop forcing your business 
to carry a weight that it's not, it's simply not ready to grow, right? So, yeah. I, I love that. And, and I've been to your website and your website is absolutely amazing. You know, and you, you have different resources for people. Um, you, have, you have different reports that they can do, quizzes they can take. Um, and it, it just, it's amazing. And, and you, you definitely are, are a service oriented entrepreneur, you, you know, and, and you, make, you make people feel good just by reading your stuff. And so I, I just, I'm so, so proud to have you on my show today and proud to, to bring you into my orbit because this is just so amazing. And I hope that if you've been listening today that, that you get something out of this and please, please check her out. Even though her book says it, it, it um, uh, what the was real it? The Real Girls, there you go. It's for guys too, trust me. Mostly women and a few yeah. men. Right. Yeah. See, I do the same thing. I've worked with primarily men. Um, you know, I have a few women, but you know, my, some of my marketing messages when I, when I do target, I do target men, but that doesn't mean that I won't work with a woman. The stuff that I, I have helped a lot of women, but um, it, it, it's great. So when I, when, you know, that's a big thing. So whether you're a man or a woman, you can use this information. Um, and and it, it really is, especially I want you to, I want to challenge you to be to read the Thor acronym. So get a book, Read the Thor acronym because it's really good. And the sections that she talks about it are pretty incredible. And that's something I'm going to let you read the book to figure out what that is. Linda, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, this, this was, was so amazing. And everybody, thank you so much for being here. If you have any questions, check the show notes for Linda's contact info. Uh, also reach out to, to me if you have any questions at all. Always willing to help. Always willing to answer any question that you have. Uh, so thank you so much. Have a great week.